We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 362 of the Win and Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and join me as always. It's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm also doing well. Glad to hear you're doing well, and I'm doing well. Um, yeah, we, we had a crossover pod with Ty last week. It's our first straight win in six. I mean, straight probably overplays the seriousness and the, the kind of focus of any win in six episode. Um, but it's our first one in a couple of weeks. Um, I was on playback with Ty and Rohan last night for anyone who's in, in our GSPN Discord, anyone who dropped in. It was a lot of fun. Talked about a lot of stuff. Jordan, in your stead... Um, I stepped up and I did the cream counter. So oh, people, thank you. people people knew because Giannis, Giannis was going pretty hot early. And there was a moment where you're like, is he going to score 120 points in the second half? You know, so um, I stepped up to do that. We need to keep the people on their toes on that front. But a lot of fun. We'll have some more of that soon. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, um, you probably do because if you listen to us, you probably listen to Ty and Rohan. Playback is an app though where you can jump in and watch the game on a single feed in sync with a whole room of other people and um, with a combination of us, GSBN hosts up on stage, talking through the game. You'll see, you'll see our faces, you'll hear our voices. Uh, we'll talk about the game or we'll talk about lots of other stuff vaguely related or not at all related to the game. It's a lot of fun. If you want in, you need to get into the Discord at the moment, so 
rate, review the podcast, send a screenshot to any of us. Uh, your quickest way in is probably send it to Ty. Um, but to any of us, tag all of us if you want, and you'll get in. And then in future playback episodes, that'll be there. And playback is, uh, it'll be moving out of beta, I believe, very soon. So it will then be something that's open up and we'll be able to tweet out links and everyone be able to jump in. So keep an eye on that. I'm hoping to make it on the next one again next week. And we'll see how you're fixed, Jordan. We'll hopefully get you on there soon too. All right, let's let's talk books. Um, or do you want to do you want to start with the books? I mean, do you want other Wisconsin sports teams? Throw a curveball early? No, let's do books. Okay, we'll start with the books. Brooke is back, and things are still pretty, just kind of steady on track. The books looking really good. Um, Timberwolves was obviously. A blip on the radar, but no Giannis. So, what are we really taking from that? Not a lot, I'd say. Um, no Chris against the Weird Bulls. Game two. I haven't actually watched it yet. I just I had time for one of the games of the two that I need to catch up on, and it boiled down to: Do I want to watch a win or do I want to watch a loss? And I'm a simple man, Jordan. I opted yeah. for a win, so I watched the Kings game. So first, I was yet yet first to see quarter tussle just threw everything out of whack. George Hill. I, I did see that at the time on Twitter. Ejected and fined, which was, yeah. He was fined? Yeah, he was fined for $15,000. I think if you get ejected, you are fined. That's true. I I it's... did not under, like, I did not understand that ejection. Beverly is, anyway, we don't need to get down into the reads of that. But Pat <laughs> Beverly is actually, like, instigating something that wasn't a thing to begin with. Yeah. And he also, he pushed someone into the ref, which to be would have had stronger kind of consequences i would have thought mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know um weird game was what you were saying very weird game well against Bobby the bulls was there. <laughs> against the bulls things got uh, back on track even though chris was out and um, brooke returned to the starting lineup alongside Giannis for the first time since his return um, and that coincided with the books allowing just 98 points, which I can't remember exactly. I saw tweets earlier, though. It is the first time in a long time. February 1st against the Wizards is the last time I can see that they, they allowed under 100 points, which that's probably in the 15 to 20 games ago, looking at the, the number of games here on the schedule. So it has been a little while, and it's not something they've done very often this season. We're noting they did also hold the Bulls below 100 back in January too. So the Bulls, the utterly pathetic Bulls, have real problems once they come up against a real team, as they're still looking for a win against one of the top three seeds in the East, which is just, it blows my mind. I mean, they're a good team. Like, they are, they are. <laughs> they are very solid, good the inability to even just kind of fluke one to catch a team on an off night. Very strange that mm-hmm. a team that's performed as well as they have overall this season, they've come up against any kind of real opponent, And they're just like, no, get us out of here. We're, we're just going to lose all of these games that we're not going to score. Um, so that was interesting. But on the books part, things were looking pretty good. Drew Holiday was phenomenal. That was probably the ultimate um, stand out of the game, just had the ball in the string, dishing out assists for fun, no turnovers. His shooting was ridiculous, just every step back tree, he 
look that he'd make. Loads of these fallaway jumpers. Drew looking incredibly good, like the best of Drew. But let's zero in and let's talk about Brooke Lopez and what the books are looking like now that he's come back into the team because I think this is the main story of the past week or so and this is the main story of the regular, the regular season for the books. It's Brooke is back, what does that mean? What has it done to change how the books look this season? And how is it all setting up for the impact he can have in the postseason? Let's let's just start with Brooke himself before we get into, I guess, some of the nitty-gritty and more important stuff, really. What have you thought of Brooke's individual play so far, given the injury he had and how long he was out for? I think it's been solid. I think it's... I'm not going to say it's been vintage Brooke Lopez or anything like that, but I think it's been kind of what I expected. Um, and that was considering my expectations weren't exactly all that high, but just because of the specific or, severity know, the injury. injury and yeah. yeah. And just the timing and everything like that. Like it's, it's hard to come back mid season and try to ramp up at, you know, it's both this time of year is both like the most important time because everybody's like, just be healthy, just stay right. All this stuff. But it's also like, you're just, I mean, we talked about even before we started recording, it's, you can't help but have like a wandering eye and just be like, okay, we're 10 minutes or 10 games out. We have no idea who the Bucks are going to play in the first round of the playoffs. Like we're it's, you're just kind of in this kind of purgatory, but Brooke returning along with Pat and George, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, kind of gave a, this nice jolt of like, oh, this is the actual Bucks team. This is not any facsimile of like, it looks like the Bucks, but it's not really the Bucks. <laughs> um, I So yeah, I think from that, you know, standpoint, I think there's just been the individual play that he's had has been very brookish. Like he was maybe the best part of the Timberwolves game by the end of it, just because third quarter he had a yeah third like quarter an 11-0 in the well maybe the eleven straight points for the books anyway was yeah yeah he was doing his rim rocking attempts again, basically game five against the Hawks of like. Just the ball passed him down the middle of the lane and just like dunking everything again. <laughs> so it was, that was good to see. I, like, it's just like you see these glimpses of like, oh yeah, like this is what it's like to have a seven foot center that, you know, does all the little things all the time. And it's when you take that out of the way, like, you know, there's not, there isn't, I keep saying this every time. But he's always been the connective tissue for the Bucks, and when you don't have that, things can connect. But it doesn't. It's the anchor. How we've it, always, we've yeah. always. That's back to both of our our writing days, and from when he arrived, he for all of the attention and all of the awards Giannis has got for the defense, Brooke has been the anchor for the defense. Yeah, and probably the most important cog. Oh yeah, it's there's the actually take the probably out of it. We all have seen what the defense has been like at times this season in his absence. Yeah, because if you have someone like Brooke Lopez that unlocks Giannis to play his... You allow Giannis to be spectacular defensively because Brooke is going to guarantee that you're consistently solid. Yeah. And without, have... without one, you don't necessarily... I mean, we've seen um, obviously Giannis's streets, like a million streets ahead as a defender to this, but we have 
seen the books have their share of spectacular playmaking defenders over like the past decade, but it doesn't yeah. actually matter if you don't have a solid defense in place. Like Ton Maker is not very useful as a defensive presence if you don't have someone who's actually going to just keep any kind of defensive shape intact. Yep. Yeah, it's like a the free safety role. You need a guy to clear up the lanes, like the a middle linebacker, whatever, diagnosing all the plays. Cross sport reference. This but, is what uh, we do. Exactly. So yeah, that's, we're like the Pat Connaughton of books podcasts. Exactly. I heard <laughs> he could have played baseball. Um, he yeah, just having Brooke back and having someone of his caliber caliber and doing all the things that he's been accustomed to doing since coming to Milwaukee. It's, it's, I don't know. Like it feels so tired to keep saying this because we've been banging this drum for what? Six months is basically like a six month whole ordeal from when he got hurt, mm-hmm. all the mystery and then surgery, then coming back. Um, but when you see it all in place, it's like, that's why this whole thing works. <laughs> like, this is why the Bucks have been a well-oiled machine under Bud for all this time here. And Brooks' time, obviously, too. And he's so also, like, he's been basically like an Iron Man as a book up until this yes. season. That's the thing, too, when we talk about consistency, and particularly on the defensive end for the Bucks. Brooks has been the ever-present. He missed, like, what, one game? Yeah, like this year. one game through injury, and he may have sat kind of an 82nd game a couple of times. Yeah. Although I do remember him playing in an 82nd game when everyone else rested too. Um, he missed but, two last year. 2019-20 is all screwed up because of COVID, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he's missed three games. In the full seasons? Yeah. Before this one? Yeah, which is... <laughs> pretty pretty hard to find anything to uh complain about with that i mean you you haven't had a chance to see the the bulls game from last night yet i it was certainly the best i have seen of brook yet um it sounds like there was maybe an offensive side to his game on display against the timberwolves and um, that wasn't quite there last night although i will say brook is looking aggressive offensively he's definitely hungry to go and take his shots and find a rhythm which i'm two thumbs up for given the short run before the playoffs of trying to get up to speed. It's like, if he's going to shoot more than he usually would, and if his percentages aren't all that great, but it helps him to kind of get his feet under him and find a rhythm for the playoffs. I'd be all in favor of that. Even if the numbers don't necessarily look pretty or vintage Brook going up to that point, but defensively last night, it definitely, it was, it was showing um, with his contests just with the book's ability to, collapse and kind of pack the paint against the Bulls as well, particularly early in the game. It allowed the Bucks to open up their big lead. Um, I believe I said in playback that the biggest difference of this year's Bucks and the previous years is they never have like a 15-0 run anymore and they then went on like a 21-3 to run right after that. <laughs> um, which, you know, you're welcome. I'm I'm more than happy to... Uh, to step to the plate like that at any given opportunity if that's going to be the result of it but that that is that is true um it, it was a staple in bud's earlier years that the books would if they came out and they were tearing it up offensively in the first quarter 
the defense would always be there and all of a sudden you're opening up a big lead right from the jump and you're not going to give it up where even when it feels like they're playing really well early on this year they're trading book it for book it a lot of the time and you look you come to your side it's like oh they're up by two or they're down by two and it's you're you're putting yourself in danger anytime that's the case when you're playing well you're making shots and you're not actually pulling away with it so that was a noted difference and particularly with some some guys who like to operate inside the arc a little bit more um and even with the bulls having some some mid-range guys which you know in theory and over brooks time with the team there can be joy to be had there there was also clearly something unsettling and jarring for them when just inside the arc was as congested as it was. And you've got like Brooke and Giannis in front of you in the paint. And it's like, okay, we'll take a mid range. That's fine. But with Wes Matthews getting to start last night too, then like any, anytime Alex Cruz, I got the ball, he had drew holiday on one side and Wes Matthews on the other side. That is not a fun place to be. You're sound uh, right behind him too. You never know. When that's also true. <laughs> I was I wasn't quite thinking of that, but you know, you don't want those two guys either side of you even more in his case, because then you, maybe you don't know where Grace Allen is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean that's things are trending in the right way for Brooke. I mean, what I'm most interested in is when we start to see what is already there in individual plays, and I think it's there from an eye test perspective of Brooke making a positive impact, when we're seeing that bear out in the book's numbers of him on the floor, and when it's just kind of a wider feeling of everyone gets what it's like to play with the Brooke Lopez books. Yes. Um, and someone like Grayson Allen is a part of that. I, I've Something that I was thinking about, I'm curious to your thoughts. Obviously, Wes has had a mini resurgence over the last kind of week, 10 days or so. Doesn't feel entirely coincidental. Like, and then he's plugged into the starting lineup and Brooks there. It's like, I think he's getting a chance to play in a books team. That's closer to the books team. He played and had success in last time than he has at any point this season. Even think about like when Boogie was here, I'm not saying Boogie was Brooke by any means, but Boogie was solid. Like we Mm -hmm. talk about all the time. Like, Having a true center kind of just opened up or it gave them, you know, portions of what the Bucks missed with Brooke. Um, and seeing having someone that kind of you're not relying on your perimeter defenders to kind of, you know, anchor the defense. It's, it was more outside in rather than inside out, kind of how the Bucks have made it that way. Um, because look at what Wes was doing over that time when Boogie left and they were kind of trying to fill in the void. Like he's matched up on, on guys like Nikola Jokic or like Wes is a versatile defender. That's still too, that's, that's above his pay. You're pushing your luck. It's yeah, really, exactly. you're, you're asking for trouble. But I do think that is related. I mean, Wes was shooting the ball, you know, insanely well when he first came back to Milwaukee and that coincided with, the boogie deal and just having some kind again having an anchor whether what whether it's brook or boogie kind of holding things out in the middle it just frees up more use of players i mean it frees up everybody like you said like it's just it's not just about Yadis or drew it's the role players that can kind of fill in these you know niche roles and 
it's it's what you ask of the individual though too so Wes obviously is not uh the quickest to say the least anymore um he doesn't pose a massive threat off the dribble at all and the only reason i'm saying he poses any threat is because he had a spectacular move off the dribble last night uh, really kind of surprising and no one probably more surprised than Wes, i would guess <laughs> um but he was playing for defense so when you put him in the game you're like oh you're gonna bring us defense that's not how it works it's a lot and it's too much to put in a guy if there's no front court defense to be like exactly here 35 year old wing give us defense it's just it's it's not gonna work like that and even if he's doing his job in terms of his individual matchup it's not gonna bear out in terms of the team's defense he's not going to get the praise that he may deserve just in terms of what he's doing individually. So that's especially when your role is different when the Bucks are playing drop with Brooke versus Bobby, it's not like that at all. It's usually mm-hmm. higher up the floor, whether it's a trap or kind of like hard hedging, all that stuff. Like his, the roles of everybody is it's vastly different compared to who's on the floor. That's why like Serge Ibaka's minutes are kind of steadily going up with Brooke on the floor or, you know, back of the rotation because they kind of want to keep things the way they are, whether it's Brooke on the floor or Serge on the floor to keep that defensive spine and structure in place so that it frees up everybody to play the roles that they're asked to do. Yeah, for sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Um, I mean, there, there's other elements to this too, which 
Pat was really impressive again last night, and Pat seems to have just not missed a beat, like to have had surgery and just come back. It's like, yeah, I'm just still going to make all those shots. And I'm going to fantastic because that was something of a concern I had is what if major regression to the mean, if his shot just fell off and we lost the kind of magic that it seems like had been a, had been unlocked with Pat over the past year or so, but that seems to be there too. And again, that's another guy. And that's Wes is maybe the most obvious example of that. George Hill would also apply for that. The guys who have been away had success before they've come back and they're older. And it's like, well, if you're looking to your right and it's like, okay, well, Pat's there and Brooks there, the paint, all of a sudden there's much more reps built into the team. Um, and it's just about getting the few guys who aren't as familiar kind of locked in with it. And then also just, I suppose, having something of a refresher because the books haven't been able to play this way for most of the season. So there will be some rust at executing the things that they did for all those years. It's not like they have to completely learn it again, but I, I wouldn't expect an overnight, oh, Brooke is back and everything is perfect. You know, drop defense is yielding um, the best results it's ever yielded. We're seeing mm-hmm. good individual possessions, but I think there's still a need for them to just kind of fully lock in, get used to string possession after possession night to night. And then there's also, I guess, maybe some wider considerations at this point of where you mix and match and how you mix and match. And when Bobby's in the game, still what way are you going to go when Brooks out of the game? I mean, the, what they have shown defensively this season without Brook isn't going to leave Bud and the coaching staff scrambling to be like, we need to make sure we're continuing to do what we were doing in certain spells of the game. But part of that is just, it's the reality of some of the guys you have out there defensively. You're going to have to find a way to continue to cater for them when they're on the floor as well to maximize what your group can give you defensively. So some of that is kind of, you know, it's, it's, there are issues that need to be managed. And, you know, I tip my cap to, uh, not wearing a cap. It's usually Jordan is the man for a hat. I mean, uh, <laughs> but to Bobby Portis for his uh, comments about going back to his bench role, which um, it doesn't surprise me at all. It's like, it's very much in step with Bobby and how Bobby has embraced his role. And I'm going to do whatever to help the team win. And the whole I reason think... why he came back to Milwaukee in the first place. And he's, he's smart enough to know that doing that last year brought the best out of him for his career both in mm-hmm. terms of achievement, in terms of fit, it seems like in terms of happiness, and I think reputation around the league. Like we don't know what his free agency will look like this year. Is it that the books are actually going to have to pony up? Maybe he's again like, you know what? I just want to stay here and I'm going to keep doing this. I mean, who knows? That's all Bobby's decision. Um, but he's never had as many options. Like no matter what the books opt to pay him or what he'd opt to sign for like the range what he could get in terms of I want to go and play in that place I don't think there'd be many teams in the NBA who wouldn't take Bobby Portis now so he could have his pick of places at a lower price or if he really wants to go and get paid he has the play he has the resume to go and earn another massive payday just a great spot for any player to be in and he can choose what he values most and it seems like that's what he did last year he may opt to do something similar again we'll see um but I am, I'm encouraged. I mean, we were encouraged before our last episode was the positivity pod, Jordan. Uh, rare, rare break for us. But there was a feeling that things are trending up for the books at the right time. I still very much feel that. 
the books are getting healthier at a time when a lot of teams are getting much more uh, unhealthy. Yes. And it's how you want to have it. They're playing better basketball and they're getting players back. Like, you can't really ask for more than that at this time of year. Uh, And they're, they're currently second seed. They're only two games back of number one. It's still in play. And they play... I mean, down the stretch of their last 10 games, they play the uh, Sixers, Celtics, another Bulls game in there, Nets. Like, Easy they're going to get a little, little taste of <laughs> They're going to get a little taste of everybody that's relevant in the playoff picture and possibly who they play in the first round. And Cavs, I should say, mention too, last game of the year. I actually think um, they'll play all the teams except the one that they may end up playing, which is the Raptors. That's true. Um, which isn't the worst yeah, like, thing. You don't necessarily want to play the team you're about to play. You know, there's usually you'd be pulling some players, you'd be keeping your cards very close to your chest if you're playing a team you think you're going to play. Like, it will be interesting next week when we get Sixers and Nets in consecutive games. It's like, yeah, what way do the books go about that? And also just what way they handle it. I've already gone on the record, and I, I do think certainly true to that Celtics game. The last two games of the season, plug could be pulled. But I, I think the books will go a little bit harder this year and stay a little bit more true to their best lineups towards the back end of the season because you want to get as many games in with Brooke as possible. And you want to give Brooke the chance to, oh, I'm back with Giannis, I'm back. You know, just um, Brooke was actually making lots of really nice passes last night, which is not something you necessarily associate with but mm-hmm. giving him time to just be on the floor both ends with all those players and be like yeah how does this work how do i fit into this i think is important so i would certainly say true that celtics game um on april 7th i would expect kind of full strength books after that we'll see i mean pistons you you'll win anyway you don't need to and that's a back-to-back too, right? Back-to-back. And then the Cavs, it could be a case if you don't want to show the Cavs anything. They could be your opponent. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, any other any other thoughts on any of that? Have you got any thoughts on the wider, not really wider, it's actually shrinking, but on the, the seeding race in the East? Um, Concern level for certain teams or... The Celtics are fast rising. Yeah, we've got a mailbag question about this. I feel like um, perfect for your you found. I'm I'm really upset about your Celtics anxiety considering they're it's the not team, anxiety, it's more they're the team you've respect. just beaten over the head for years. You're just like, no, the Celtics. And then just out of the blue one day, and I will give you credit because you were you were actually just a little ahead of the curve on their completely turning the their season. I was like, why? They're a good team already. Or they're like trending upwards and then they get Derek White, who's like a nice player. Yeah, very can... good, solid player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Heat? Who did they lose to recently? Was it the... I, they lost to the Timberwolves. That was a couple weeks ago. They lost their last game, um, which was against... It was like a crunch time loss too, right? Sixers. They lost the Sixers. Ah, that's right, because they were without Embiid and Harden. I don't know. Interesting, I, isn't it? It's, right. Definitely interesting. Very shocking, lot, but um, full strength Miami Heat. 
Just the starters, anyway. I'm trying to see anyone who the inactives were. Looks pretty full strength to me. And um, looking at their clutch time net rating right now, minus point or minus five point three in one hundred eighteen minutes. Mm. Would that be because they have guys who are not very good at scoring, and like it's hard to score? That's a problem. Could that be a factor there? That could be. It. It's also, I mean, COVID. It's harder. That's the thing about looking COVID. at all these numbers. No, because well, like the whole season's like distorted. Of like. I don't think it's that... that distorted. At this point in the year, I don't think I'd be factoring in. I can't remember what kind of COVID absences the Heat had. or They had like, a lot. But th- that depends too then on <laughs> what. Like, you could get the ball in one week and that's fine. And that's kind of you right off a week and then everything's back to normal. The books, yeah. I think, had it about as bad as anyone in that they just went literally months without having all of their players available because we'd just be as soon as someone would get back someone else would go um yeah it's an also, inter- interesting point you bring up about the, the Miami Heat losing to that Sixers team I feel like Paul Knicks. Millsap won't be playing quite as prominent a role if they play in the playoffs no. uh, who knows uh but probably not uh Knicks, maybe, maybe they want to rest and beat in a playoff series with the Heat I don't know. <laughs> um, a, a team that should never be mentioned this time of year. The Knicks, they have a uh, league worst negative 26.6 net rating in 137 minutes, which seems impossible. Why are you mentioning the Knicks? I just thought it was very funny because everybody <laughs> thought they were back and they're not. They signed Evan 48 to a four year deal that no one ever thought was going to make sense. Okay. We'll get into the mailbag in a second. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about Devontae Adams? You want to talk about have you got anything you need to get off your chest? The shock has worn off. Has the upset um, though? Hmm? Has the upset? You were you were quite upset about a it. A little bit. I'm still I'm still upset. It's hard. The uh, the other thing too is that like we have no idea, like we know it's they're gonna draft a wide receiver. Do we? Stop. That's gonna be a quarterback, Jordan. No. I think they need a quarterback. They need a they need a plan. Uh, <laughs> what are they gonna do? Rogers could be gone in two years. Start I know it's probably time to tr- trade Jordan Love, so they might need to draft a quarterback. Matt LaFleur is gonna put his uh Franklin wide receiver gloves on it on his hands and be like i'll just do this damn job myself he was a wide receiver i didn't know that yes he was he played i think he was a wide receiver and then played quarterback so wow if you're looking at a quarterback he's only 40 right i don't know um actually i think i think he's younger than that is is he not actually like the same age as rogers that cannot be oh he's 42 he's 42 42 I mean, Tom Brady's playing at 45, so anything's possible. Um, <laughs> he went to see one Manchester United game, and I don't know who was fortunate or unfortunate for. But if he'd gone see any other Cristiano Ronaldo game this season, I don't think he'd be like, wow, look at us. All those old guys really can still do it. He sees Ronaldo score a hat-trick. The Glazers, of course, the Lions, yeah, all say. very, very suspicious. Um I'm not suggesting there's some sort of fix-up play, but it's all very convenient that he's at that game 
Ronaldo scores a hat trick. They have a this on pitch conversation, and he it's bizarre, really strange, strange stuff. Um, I mean, the the one thing with Adams for me is at least they acted quickly and they're able to tie up a lot of the other guys who have really use for them at other positions, of course, but Rasul Douglas, uh, Robert Tonian. Who am I forgetting? Who else came back after that? Uh, who else came back? There was someone else. There was two. I feel like there was two more. They got uh, Jaron Reed, defensive tackle yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, why can't I? I like, I know, I know Douglas. There's... Bob did a pay cut too. He did. Um, it's the number one option right now. Yeah. So yeah, as it stands, no, there's no Packer on the roster. M- MVS, right? That's you know. I don't know if he's back yet, but I also haven't been as plugged in. No, he's still inside. Um, but yeah, as it stands, no one on the Packers roster caught a pass in the four days playoff game. Hmm. So yeah. Do you buy? I have seen this and I am very skeptical. Wide receiver, I should say. No one, no wide receiver. That's what it was. Is there any possibility? I, I think this is a really I've seen it around, but I think it's I think it's really dumb. But it's the kind of thing people say to make themselves feel better. Is there any possibility that the offense, particularly in a playoff setting, will now function better? Because Rogers is not just looking to one guy who is very obviously the best receiver. See, I have had this thought because I can think what the Packers front office was thinking is that you have all these people that get to pay. Devontae wants to get top dollar. He, he deserves to be paid as the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history until the next wide receiver that gets paid and they become the next highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. But they could look at this and be like, we have tried to do this with this wide receiver can do literally everything. Devontae Adams is probably the best. Even as you say this, just feels so galaxy brand. It's like this guy's this guy's too good. He's just he's too good. Let's try with players who are less who, good. They combine to or like spread out their wide receiver. I know it sounds so ridiculous. But also, it's, Robert it's Tunyon, also it's it's right. If there is the case to be made for something like that, and we've had books conversations along these lines over the years when certain things happen. Are you talking about other teams or the NBA? It's if you lose a superstar like that. You see trades where this happens. You lose a superstar like that, and you get four above average players or four starters. Like if the level of their wide receivers was raised across the board. I'm at least willing to listen to that conversation. We're hoping the Packers get a Kevin Martin back. <laughs> it's, it's like the James Harden. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, they get a little, they get some draft picks, which are, they are nice and they add to their cover because, you know, they don't really part ways with draft picks. Um, it's the drafting. The draft pick draft is picks. not even like, the draft picks are not they're not an asset in an obtuse kind of way because, yes, although, you know, I'm just going to leave it out there. Quarterback is always looming. Right. It's a question mark on their future, Jordan. Who's going to be the quarterback? They might have to address it through the draft. But outside of that, like, you've got to use, you've got to get a wide receiver. 
uh, what yes. pick you use and when you decide to do that. So <laughs> I don't think they're just going to get one. Yeah, that's 100%. Um, because they've brought most of the guys back. Uh, the other spots in the roster are key. Like, you could put out a, a Packers team tomorrow that is just as good as it was last year at most positions. A wide receiver is the problem. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. It, it's it's incomplete. But yeah, also... it, it was it was disappointing the way all of that played out. Um, I think we're, we're both in agreement on that, and it's all it is also. I I really wanted Adams back, so I I wanted Rogers back because I felt you're not going to do one of those things without the other. Yeah, and I guess the Packers probably thought that themselves, but they thought wrong, Jordan. <laughs> yeah they, they thought wrong and uh yeah interesting interesting times ahead spring training anything i've not seen you have not watched any this is disgraceful no. i thought you were a brewers fan i am i just i can't i can't the season's already so long just, so i can't i can't believe you're not crunching spring training like i am cactus league is what it's all about right it's I, I I do want to get one thing off my chest that I shared with you privately, but I think it should be sent out to a larger group too that uh, this just can be a general discussion that's had out in the open. People can start talking with their friends. We need to address this. Baseball, Jordan. The great American pastime, right? Yeah. Should there be anything more American than spring training baseball? Like it's, you hold it up there. So I'm watching my first taste of spring training baseball. Can't remember who did the Brewers play in that first game. Was it the Dodgers? Yes, it was the Dodgers. And good game. I'm enjoying it. The Brewers let it, they let it go in the, in the final inning. I'm sitting there like, oh, extra innings it is. And it's a the game is a tie. In baseball, it's a tie. I thought I I I understand how ridiculous it would be. To have extra innings in spring training, but it's ridiculous in the NBA to have overtime like ultra the season or like, summer league. The, like if you're ever going to have a tie, you should always have ties. Yeah, like that's uh, they only need to be broken if you're literally in the playoffs. I was just I was I was stunned by how un-American this was. I really I could not believe my eyes. I was like, what did I I spent like I spent hours watching this and they all just yeah. It was, Good afternoon. That was fun. We'll walk off. It's they like, do their handshake lines when it's 3-3 three, three after that. This is not... <laughs> I've spent years watching, Jordan, watching your national sports, getting used to this idea that you guys do not like ties. And then here, in my face, taunting... Well, do you know... Did you know that the... I believe it's the only... No, that can't be the only time they've hosted the All-Star Game. Well, anyway... Last time Milwaukee hosted, it was a tie. It was a tie, controversially. Why? Why didn't they? Why didn't they? Bun Sealing called it after the. Pardon my on the spot research right now. It was they played, I think, one extra inning. And there's an infamous picture of Bud Sealing holding up his hands. Yeah, they ran out of available pitchers, so then they ended the game in, in a tie. It was seven to seven after the eleventh inning. 
Oh, that is that is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, all star games are all star games, but that is ridiculous. Yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on to the mail. <laughs> I, I have nothing. I just you look so disgusting. I just don't understand it. There's there's never ties. There's. It sounds like I've got a neighbor loudly drilling. Can you hear that? No. Okay, it's loud. It's, so that's Mr. Baseball coming for you. Mr. <laughs> that's the inside of my brain. If you can hear yeah, that right now, that's Rob Manfred. That's the idea of it. But if anyone can hear, apologies uh, for the very loud noise. Um, okay, the mailbag. First up from at Hunter underscore Y thirteen. You get to take three books players with you to a deserted island. Which tree are you taking? Are they gonna be my friends? This is what it's. What? They're, I, well, they're gonna have to be there. I mean, are we talking only... current or are we talking all time? I think the question was current. So if you have all time okay. picks too, you can go with that. I, I think I've got I've got three. If you wanna, yeah, you go first. You go first. It literally it sounds like an earthquake here. I hope this is not picking up. I can't hear it. At all. This is. I'm very surprised. Um. Okay, so for me. Brooke Lopez. You know, I want, I want good company. I want good company. He's tall. If there's like fruit up high on a tree or something, you know, it's, Brooke is going to come in extra. All these guys are tall, but Brooke is the tallest. So that's useful. Yeah. Um, so I would go with Brooke Lopez. Tanasis. Tanasis is the vibes. Man. Everyone seems to be friends with Tanasis. Everyone likes to hang out with Tanasis. I think Tanasis is, is definitely someone you'd want there. He's you know he'll he'll pick you up when you're down but i also think like away from the court he does seem kind of mellow too i don't think yeah. i don't think he's going to be annoying you um i'd like uh, i love Giannis, but i don't know if like day 200 in the islands if Giannis is cracking some of his jokes if i'm gonna be into it so i'm gonna go to nasus and um george hill because mm. in spite of the fact that I, I am actually now a vegan, uh, George Hill has is resourceful for Very. this kind of this kind of situation, Jordan. Um, he is a man who is into hunting. He is a man who is at one with the wild, with nature. And he, he seems like an obvious pick. I bet George Hill could start up a fire with some rocks and all sorts of stuff. Like he's he's an outdoorsy guy. So yeah. that's, I put a lot of thought into it. I felt like they were all no brainer picks for me for a variety of reasons. We're going to ensure survival, good times, and the ability to reach, you know, objects of pine trees. I guess say it's hard to beat that or come up with the reasoning that is as thought out and thorough. <laughs> um, Brooke for sure. I think I'm gonna go Drew. I think Drew has the levity. The very I think he's yeah, yeah. Um see, I think we're both gonna avoid picking Giannis as everybody would want to hang on Giannis. You can't have joke competition. <laughs> yeah. It's the flip side of that, you know. That's the thing, is that he would just pick like uh game out of everything. I'm looking over the roster right now. Maybe Pat? 
Really? Yeah, because then he would build. If the houses. island turns out not to be deserted. He's gonna yeah, but he would build like do a some house deals with the locals, with, like brush, wood brush. Build up this, like, I don't base. know if he literally builds his properties with his own hands. This is a he's gonna do it in this concern. Anymore. I have. I mean, I know he's got contacts. I don't know if the contacts are useful. Um. Yeah, I want to do Pat. Let's do okay. it. Okay. All right. From uh, did, oh, did you have? Is there any all-time book you'd like to just you don't have to do three, but even to because you you asked that question, so it occurred to you. Is there someone you? I like think for the sake of brevity, we'll we'll tackle that, that another time. Okay, time. Hunter, <laughs> you can ask that question again for the next pod, maybe, and Jordan yes. will have will put some real thought into that. Um, Hunter, again, are you scared of the Celtics? Is the question, Jordan? Yes. <laughs> They're a good team. I'm not. They're they're good. So what? So what? Who cares? They're good. Mo- I mean, you expect most of these teams to be good. I'm being yeah. sincere, not being flippant about this or being dismissive of other teams. I'm not afraid of any team in the NBA. For like from a book's perspective, there is no team to fear. It's like, yeah, there are better and there itself. are worse matchups, but the books can beat every single team in the NBA. So I I'm not afraid of the Celtics. Like, would you rather play the Cavs or the Celtics if that was an option in a certain series or the Bulls or the Celtics? Well, you're going to choose not the Celtics in those two scenarios. But it's like, if you got the Celtics in the second rounds or you got the Celtics in the conference finals, great. Yeah. I think... And that's also, I mean, hmm. I would not like them, particularly with where, where their form has trended post-All-Star break in the first round. That's a... That might be the worst first round matchup you could have. And that's not oh, going to happen absolutely. now because they're, they're two and a half games clear of the Bulls. They're too good. So, and the books are three games clear of the Bulls. So you're not falling into a four or five. So without that, it's like, yeah, they're good. But if you're, you're going to, the way it's shaping up, you're going to play a good team in the second round. You're going to play a good team in the conference finals. You're going to get anywhere. I, like, yeah. I don't really care. Would I rather play the Celtics than the Sixers? Yes. Like, Would you rather play the Celtics than the Heat? Because right now, no, no, four... I, I think the Celtics are better than the Heat. Another question: Do you think it's four or one right now? So as of right now, and... yeah, I think the Celtics would win that side of that side yeah. of the bracket and be a conference finalist. I think so too. But then, I mean, they they probably they could lose to the Nets, and the Heat could go out in the first rounds. Yeah. I mean, like, we've been, obviously, you can't, none of this is within the book's control because it's so fluid. But if it finishes right now, 2-3 is a tough spot because you're going to play the Sixers in the second round. That's not ideal. But they're all tough spots, is my point. I do think the books are better not facing the Nets in the first round. And then if you get past the Nets, then having the Celtics. And then, like, the Heat would have Sixers or books. Like most likely coming out the other side, like that's the full gauntlet. And right now, it could still shift, and the books could find themselves facing that like toughest possible route, where you're actually going to have two teams like for every possible matchup, where you're like, well, both of these are really tough, and we could lose. That's that's a that's a rough one. I think the Heat could get found out very quickly. Yeah, if the if the Nets are like together enough that they get through the play-in in any form. 
I'll I'll be taking the Nats over the Heat. Kevin Durant, like the the Heat's defense is not going to stop Kevin Durant from being Kevin Durant. No. So what of the Heat got to counter? Tyler Hero. Culture. Culture. The Nets definitely do not have culture. So that might be in this particular matchup a really <laughs> valid counter. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't. The, the Celtics are a very good team, good players. Uh, Imiodoka is doing a really good job now. It took some time, but uh, you know, Brad Stevens, someone that you, you were always dismissive of his teams. He's done a good job. Like, he has done a good job and it's taken him a bit of time and it's taken some in-season corrections, but the roster is now in a place where it's better suited to get something out of that and for Udoka to have better players, like trading trading Schroeder and bringing in Daniel Tice, stuff like that. Like, that's a, that's a if move. If you were starting that... a franchise today, would you rather have Ime Udoka? I just <laughs> completely butchered his name. I like... <laughs> Yudoka. Why did I? Oh it's okay. God. I know. Sorry, but I, in my head, I was like, it's Yudoka. And I'm like, it did. I just pulled uh, John Travolta. Betel Dazim. Or what was the question? You were, were, you were going to do Yeah, it was. Yeah. So you're going to do a little bit. Um, tweet in about two hours. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not a. Like, are, are you scared of the Celtics is the question. Your answer is yes. Yeah. Oh. I'm scared of good teams. The books and are the, I, the best I, but I, agree. I know, but I agree that you have to play, you have to, you have to play good teams to get to where you are. But I do think they are, they match up very well. Match up very well. This, this year more, have, more than any other in the East, like, you're not going to be able to fake it. That doesn't guarantee the best team is going to win it. Yeah. But the team who gets out of the East is really going to have, they're going to have earned that. They may not be the best team that look might've gone there or whatever, but they will have had to earn it more than, I don't know when, like any time in recent memory. Yeah. It's quite, yeah. It's probably never... my, my entire time watching the NBA, like, kind of game to game like following along with like that i don't i'm I don't trying think to think like the west like brutal there was that this. spurs clippers like gauntlet series and that was the first round mm-hmm. before the clippers the infamous clippers meltdown against the rockets in, like 2015 but in the like, east that's, but in the east yeah the east has been i don't even think it's probably gone back to the 90s century. yeah even probably more than that. Probably the possibly there's the eighties, yeah. And yeah. So that was like there is potential and if everyone kept it together and was able to that books, Celtics, Sixers, that whole era of the Eastern Conference. The Hawks were actually Hawks like were very the Hawks good, were good and, and they just never in yeah. another era they would have been probably to multiple finals or had some championships. It's like um but yeah, that's the kind of shape that is there in the East alone. From an AC Wilder 26, I know I'm thinking way too far ahead on this topic, but are there Western Conference teams you'd prefer the books to match up with if they were to make the finals? Who scares I... you in the West? If, if, if you are a man who is scared of teams, which it seems like you are, um, 
who in the Western Western Conference scares you? I still think the Suns are better this year. Um, they're very. I mean, we'll see how their playoff run is, but they're very 2019, 20 bucks for all good things and bad things. I think they just have improved upon the foundation they set for last year, getting Chris Paul, everything. They haven't really made that many. They made a lot, a lot of like periphery changes, but like what year books did you say? 2019, 20. So Bud's second year. Pandemic year? Yeah. Pre-pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Well, if that had finished on me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, uh, the only reason I was clarifying that was that's not the same as 2020 21 books. No, it's a very different books. Um, but it, do, it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily have to equate to that this is their year though, is also yeah. the thing. Like they could yeah. still be a year or two away from that, but that's right. Yeah. The tough thing for that is Chris Paul's age. That's the thing they have against that the books did not have. You've got to kind of cash in on one of these earlier, then be like, oh, we're really good and we can rely, you know, we're going to give ourselves four shots at this and we're going to at least get one of them sort of thing. They That could be tough for them. Mm. Um, and that could just happen suddenly, that all of a sudden Chris Paul, with all the miles on the clock and all the injuries he's had over the year, just does not look like Chris Paul anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, they are, to, to me, right now, right now is important here. They're the only rational team in the West to even like spend half a second being like, oh, the books don't win a series against them. Every other team in the West, right now, the books win the series. Now I'm saying right now because of Steph Curry's injury. And if the Warriors, if he was back and all of a sudden, if like if the Warriors are firing and looking like the legit Warriors through the playoffs, and then you have to play them in the finals, that's a scary proposition. Not completely impossible. No. Because the rest of their roster is not what it once was. No. And they're no matter what they do, they're gonna have some weak spots. Suns don't have a whole bunch of weak spots. You've just to no. beat the Suns, you're gonna have to do better than the Suns. They're maybe the most complete team. As in Along with the books, I, 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 I sincerely, I think that's. I I did call a few weeks back, if you remember, I called that. Bucks Suns. You know, yeah, I can't wait for the rematch finals. I think that if it if that yeah, if it ends up that way, it would be perfect. I think it might. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see. Obviously, we'd like it to, um, but I, I do think there's a there's a real chance of that. It's going to be tougher for the books to make it happen than the Suns because of what the books yeah. will have to go through. But, but I, you never I, know. I mean, they the the Suns are still going to have to face good teams. I know they're not. They're going to have to face good teams. Well, it's not like it's not I'm not I'm not being dismissive. The Grizzlies are a good team, yeah. but the Grizzlies at their point in their journey, like it's different. It's very different. Um, from a more cowbell five twenty. Over the end of the season and, and the coming playoffs, what's the one what's one thing that when the books do well they can't lose? And what's one thing if they don't do it, they can't win without? Defense. 
I just I I may be wrong, but I have a kind of unshakable faith that playoffs come, the Bucks can kind of muck it up and make a defensive minded game and play their brand of defense again. I, I could be proven horribly wrong on that, and maybe the time Brooke was out and wherever he's at with his game could all prove that that's not the case. But I do have kind of unshakable belief in that. And with that being a thing, for me, I'm like, well, if they shoot well, uh, I'm, I'm kind of expecting the defense to be good in the playoffs. So if they shoot well, well, then they're really tough to beat. If they don't defend well, forget about it. Yeah. Because the offense is not, it's going to be there in the playoffs. The The offense is going to slow. And exactly. if they're not able to give themselves an advantage through what should be their strength and their defense, they're not going to outscore a lot of these teams and a lot of these players. The, the roster isn't built to do that. The roster is not built to, you know, out firepower. Let's say Embiid and Harden, and I'm, I know all the question marks around Harden, but just as two player types, in a series, if it comes down to that and neither team's playing much defense, it's like all of a sudden then having the, oh, well, we've got Drew and we've got Chris, that becomes a disadvantage if you've got, if the two guys, the other team play anywhere near close to like their, their ability. It's not the way the books are constructed. The books have to, have to win the defensive battle. And yeah, defense has been the constant, offense has always been the variable. They've always looked themselves as a defensive team. And, you know, you have – you kind of co- go into it that you're going to have good shooting nights or you're going to have bad shooting nights. It's about how – what does the average look like? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much NBA today. <laughs> the NBA today of, of how everything's viewed and valued and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, it's great to see them – their offense clicking in ways that we haven't really seen under Bud and how Grayson affects the offense or how getting Brooke back and kind of having the pieces aligned in the way that we envisioned to start the year. (laughs) We're kind of back at that point. But if you can't defend against, you know, the gauntlet of teams that we've run through over the last, like, however many minutes, like, it's not going to be a long playoff run. <laughs> it really is not. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's, that's a guarantee. Um, this next, next question is an absolutely fantastic question that for us could probably be a whole podcast and maybe needs to be in the summer. From AC Wilder 26, if you could alter books history so that the books win a championship anywhere between the 50-year gap of 1971 to 2021, what season would it be and what was altered? I can I can narrow this down very simply to further pinpoint is something that I feel like would take a lot of thought and a lot of discussion. Um, I would like to. I would like if they had won in either eighty four or eighty five, which I feel was kind of the zenith of their eighties play. The only the only thing that I don't like in picking this is you're not getting um, Marcus Johnson a championship. It's it's post Marcus, but I, I really do think it's like them at their peak. I think Sid won defensive player of the year, second one in eighty four. 
so he won 83 84 i think don nelson had two coach of the years in three years between 83 85 they were consistently like right there for best record and they lost to 84 they lose to celtics in the conference finals and 85 they lose to the sixers in the conference semifinals I mean, the, the other you could show you could extend this out to '86, where they actually beat the Sixers, and in some ways, this is a kind of like the perfect narrative. One would have been, okay, we've beaten the Sixers in seven. Let's go beat the Celtics and then go win a championship. And they got absolutely like the doors blown off. They got swept yeah. by the Celtics in the conference finals, and that's in the discussion for greatest Celtics team ever, <laughs> one of the greatest teams of all time. time um, yeah. So. But that, that is certainly for me, I mean, within that spell, I think for the consistent excellence, like decade-long excellence of that team with a lot of those core guys and with Don Nelson as coach, that is the era of Bucks history most deserving of a championship. Um, you know, that might just that might be the era of Bucks history most deserving of a championship. For because everybody of, involved. Because, of, I'm, I mean, compare that with, with now compare that with 70s just for the longevity like the fact that they were there year in year out plugging away to, and really close and yeah very far away yeah. you're, um, ne- never even got to a finals yeah that's the like, other thing it's the 74 stream. is an easy one to pick as in you know you're they were just, that close they were that close and it doesn't take much to tweak that and they've won it and then that team is one of the greatest teams of all time in the nba um <laughs> more to come on that in the future um, but <laughs> it would have been great if they had two championships. If you get another, when you have Kareem, if you could have got a second championship, if you could have got another before things came to a head with Oscar, all of that kind of stuff. And then also, what does it do for the books if they're not just a one-off champion at that time? They've won again, again, maybe conversations for another time, but. Does it does it factor into anything with Kareem, or does it make it even easier to bounce back in a strong way post Kareem? That's a tough one to have because they really bounce back about as well as anyone could hope to. Like, whenever and in whatever circumstances Giannis ultimately finishes his time with a book, we could only dream of the books turning it around as quickly and as well as, and we will only be dreaming based on how John Horst is managing assets. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's the reality of that one um but yes i'll pass over to you with mine being mid 80s and maybe we do this as an episode in the off season and really kind of dive into the details um as much as i i it's hard not to disagree with the 80s because it's the difference between being referred to as a champion and being referred to as the greatest teams that never went to finals up there with the Dan Tony sons of the mid two thousands. It would also, I, okay. They, they are formed in the sixties, but right at the end of the sixties, like it's, it's easy to think of the seventies as the book's first decade. Yeah. If they had a championship for each of their first two decades, like that again, that could just change everything around with perception how the team is managed coming into the third decade and the fourth decade and oh, the yeah. fifth decade which led to a lot of ugliness bad basketball waning interest all of that stuff too 
Yeah. Um, but I feel like there was a book coming here. Are you gonna? Are you gonna play two titles in one? I was. I was gonna throw this out there. They. I do think of newer history or not newer history because over 20 years old but if they had made the finals and seen how that era quit that was the peak of the era um and how everything dissolved very quickly (laughs) in the two years not even two years later um it would have changed that perception and how it doesn't look like this blip on the radar um, it changes whether Ray Allen is in Milwaukee, and it changes how things <laughs> slipped beyond the Bucks' grasp for ten plus years. My one counter, like, my one counter on our one. I, I, I this is gonna sound stupid because winning any championship obviously means everything. Yeah. Would winning a championship in that era of the NBA mean as much as winning it given the competition they had to come through in the 80s? Like, that's no disrespect to the Pistons, like the 04 Pistons or even the Mavs after that. Like, I think if the Bucks won in 01, that would be viewed as the start of a real downtime for the NBA, which let's be honest, it already is viewed as, it a, already real, is, yeah. as a down it's, period. But I, I think books being Lakers a dynasty. name right at the front of that um, and even then taking away from the Lakers dynasty idea, which maybe gives it some respectability in a historical sense because people at least look to Shaq and Kobe and are like, okay. yeah, I, I think that would be an area that people would be really dismissive of and it would be very annoying for books fans if the team had ended up similar to how it had been in the the time after. That's my one counter to that, where, like, if you had managed to get a championship in the, you know, Bird Celtics, Dr. J Sixers era, and that's just to come through the East, like, that there is no disputing anything about that. And even, even like, last year, and we all know that the talk of injuries and COVID and everything that's there in the moment, in time, I, I think that will disappear and that will be looked at for the era and the players who are in the league, which you've still got Kevin Durant. They, they literally got past Kevin Durant um, playing at an insane level. LeBron is still in the league. All of that will still matter. Where 01, you're in the... You are in the post. Did Jordan? Post. Jordan did play. He hadn't made I his mean, comeback with the Wizards it's, yet. It's the, the, right. That was the following year? Yeah, it would have been time of transition for sure. Regardless, it was the post-Jordan era. You know, Michael Jordan may not have known it himself yet, uh, but it it was. He's already thinking of making a documentary series. He came back that summer. Probably because he was like, he watched Book Sixers and was like, I can make this. (laughs) I I can get to the finals with the Wizards. Um. Yeah, that's why I care about that. I don't, I mean, I know that probably the vast majority of people listening hate everything I've just said. Or like, or absolutely, we, a championship from 2001 is what everyone would have wanted. Also, we haven't mentioned 2019. That's a good one. Because that would put us like... Because I remember when would I put us right the time, in the still yeah, I know. We did a... Did we do that with Dan, Dan Larson? Was that the one we did kind of after and we... 
maybe a couple of days after that series finished and we talked through kind of bigger picture uh, we were we were down we really oh were like God. this is this is the chance chances you'd not get better than this because you're conditioned as a bucks fan that uh these chances only happen one year <laughs> Yeah, well, it's also we were waiting for like the team to fall apart at any given yeah. moment. Just and they because... had five free agents of high value that they had to re- get back. Um, yeah, but that's, that's that would put us in a different place now. We're like then the books are already on their way to being Spurs. Yeah, or yeah, this, this time. Yeah. Hmm. Fun question. Yeah, I'm gonna go Tell- 2019. I'm gonna go 2019. I'm doing it. I'm still I'm still going 80s. This team could get another one this year. They could get another one next year. I mean, that's the one thing. That would be great. And I wouldn't have turned down one in 2019 to go with that. No. Um, but the 80s books are kind of the NBA's great forgotten team because they never got over the hump. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that even just in like some sort of biased, this is a books podcast way. Uh, that's pretty objectively. And you go look at how that team performed and the kind of the careers of the players involved. And collectively, those players, they don't get the, they don't get the credit individually because they were such a collective. Um, it would have been. Well, it's even not just that. I mean, Nelson. He would, he's. Was. I think Nelson, Nelson gets, Nelson gets the credit and his reputation is there. But, as much as he will allow it to be, he is such an outsider figure, particularly in the latter years of his life, where it's like yeah. there is only so much of a place the NBA establishment is going to give Don Nelson at this current moment of time in the history of the game. But I, his place is pretty secure. Like It's secure, but it you it's also looked at as he never won the big one kind of thing. I don't think he never even went to finals. No, I mean, pro- prolific regular season winner, like yeah. Bud-esque before last year. Um, that's the kind of career trajectory you could have made a case that Bud was on. Which, <laughs> not a bad career. Uh, no. most, most NBA coaches would, would probably literally kill for Don Nelson's career resume. Um, great question. Uh, let's try and remember that one because... Even you adding 2019 in the mix has further convinced me. We could talk about three decades. We can make the cases. We can lay it out. Maybe we can have people then vote, make their picks. Um, more Cowbell 520 again. Did the books need home court advantage against any of the Heat 76ers or Celtics? No. It would be nice, but we've you win game one, you've got it. Or, as we have seen before, when the books have had it, you lose game one, you lose it. Like... Home game, home court advantage matters when you get to a closeout game. It's who has home court. Yeah. That's, I think, the thing that I have learned over the years. It does not matter in game one because we could spend all season talking about it or weeks and months caring about it, and you can just lose it like that. And the books have certainly had a habit of doing that. Um, and then last year, we've seen them, <laughs> we've seen them win it back and go and take it for themselves and close out a NBA finals in six games. Like that's what mattered. They had home court for a closeout game. That's, that's what it's about for me. So no, like it would matter against any of those teams. If it was a game seven. And obviously if it's a game seven and you're the lower seed, then yeah, that's tough. But you go into that series. If you don't have it, 
like well just gotta go win it in six like give yourself a chance to close out at home would always be the thing give yourself the lead one you're giving yourself two shots at it but also you're giving yourself a home game for more cowbell 520 is coronavirus gone from the nba I don't remember the last time a booked player or any NBA player was out of action because of it. I asked because for a while it seemed that the playoffs might be dictated by pure availability of star players, but now I'm not worried about that. Hmm, where to go with this one? Um, Evan Booker missed the Bucks game because of COVID, I believe. Ca- cases are absolutely out of control here and in Europe generally, like yeah. about as bad as ever. And I would say any day now, like literally any day now, it's going to hit the UK like an absolute, like, I, I, I won't actually use any descriptive word there for any, because there's too many real world events that would make it not seem good. But it's going to it's gonna sweep the US based on how this has worked always throughout, which is US is nice. like two weeks behind. Um, yeah. and even Very epidemiologists much. seem to discuss it in that term when something kind of when waves have cropped up in Europe it's in a two week gap and then so there has been a period of everything dying down there is also I mean no secret individually collectively on government level I think there has been a a great desire for people to just be like yeah yeah COVID that's in the past and to move on and just like just if we pretend it's not there, it is no longer there. And that's been okay in recent months. Whether it will stay that way, we'll, we'll see. Um, the NBA's restrictions and everything are much looser. So that yes. means one of two things. One, it could have an absolutely out-of-control disruptive effect. Or two, they may get much more reckless than ever before. And we could just see quicker turnarounds because they're just trying to. Well, look at the finals last year. We were, everything was kind of like, everything's going well and everything. And from what has been written over in the last few months and at the time too, coaches were getting it. Thanasis got it. Giannis may or may not have gotten it. Thanasis with Giannis in uh, the parade, like even like on the, the two of them, like, yeah, it's on the car beside him. It's like I, I have no I have no comment for that. I'm not policing that. I understand that what that moment is like for both of those guys. But um yeah, it was it was there. It was literally looming at the parade. It was everywhere. There was no so the reality is, yeah, it could absolutely come back and disrupt things at any given moment. But yeah. It feels like the NBA are leaning away from that somewhat. Whether that remains a sustainable plan, who knows? I mean, if we could predict anything with COVID, or if anyone could, uh, one, we'd be very wealthy, and two, I think the whole world would be in a better place if we could like speak in definitive terms about it. But I don't know. We'll wait and see. Yeah. Uh, from at JTXVX, much like the Bango broken leg saga, Adam brought up in the playback. What's your dream Bango subplot to run alongside this push to repeat as champs? Oh, like this is again a question I, I really need time to think about. Um, Bring for back anyone, the soul patch. <laughs> well, this, Bring it this back. the soul patch did come up in, in the playback. For anyone who wasn't in the playback room last night or may not be aware, 
Um, we're just talking about Bango. You know, one of my favorite things to do, talk about Bango. Uh, Bango through the ages. Um, the ladder dunk came up. Someone asked our ma- mascots athletes. It's like, <laughs> hell yeah, mascots are athletes. Uh, certainly, I think to be Bango, you've got to be an athlete. And then I brought up the whole, I feel like it was his ACL. It may have been a broken leg, but whatever it was, Bango had an injury. There are videos that are up there on YouTube where Bango goes to have surgery. You get to like see his visit with the consultant. You get to see him do his rehab. There's a whole comeback. I mean, uh, just more of this, more of this wrestling style like storyline around the mascot would be great. I mean, that's if I was working on the inside of uh, books, party media. Um, this is what I'd be. This would be doing. I'd be just pushing out bango storylines. I, I'm honestly, I'm not that fussy. I would just love if you're like, there's gonna be a bango storyline, yeah, running concurrently with the books playoff run. I could not be more excited about that. There, yeah, there hasn't. They used to do that a lot, and it's kind of. I think it's when the team was really bad. Yeah, the, the Bango may have had to get married to just get people into the arena. <laughs> it's like we've got we got a hundred tickets realized, sold oh, wait, our for next Tuesday's game. How are we going to do this? Yeah. Well, Bango's getting married. I did Bango. ask. I did ask the question of the playback last night. Mrs. Bango has not been seen in years. Yeah, it's it's time someone starts asking the tough questions. She's the mayoress of. Where is Mrs. Bango buried? Seriously, Jordan. Underneath the Bango Jr. Where is Bango Jr.? Is, he gone to is there Bango Jr.? There was. Well, there the one. The, are you talking about like the inflatable one? No, I'm talking. There was literally back in the Mrs. Bango days. They also had a kid. We see Bango Jr. <laughs> I'd, I'd say you'll only find um, inflatable stuff. No, like, I found I found Bango oh, Jr. Oh, you found cool. Yeah. Like on the official bio for Bango, that was I don't know what have they updated that on the book's website. Um, but it it used to have those biographical details. But where is Mrs. Bango? Where is Bango Jr.? Hmm. Actually, erased from his bio. Yeah. So I guess Bango went through a tough divorce and didn't get custody. Maybe that could be the storyline. It could be. Bango has to take care of Bango Jr. for the playoffs. It's like all sorts of comedic uh, <laughs> comedic occurrences ensue. Bango on the road in like Boston. Bango Jr. on the loose. He's got to find them. This kid's out of control. All these years, he's been without his dad. I gotta. It'd be like I gotta stop talking to start writing, and uh, yeah. I gotta send the script to the book. So we're gonna get this done. Uh, from Milltown Monster, who are your favorite and least favorite members of the National NBA media? Really, do not know if I should answer this. I have answers. Jordan knows I, I have answers, but I, I don't know. know. I don't know if they would be productive to be out there for the podcast. You never know what happens in what way. We could do favorite. 
Yeah, let's do favorite. Uh, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> it's it's not even really ironic. It's like I'm, no. I'm I'm being I'm being serious at this point. He just brings me joy. Like he's obviously not my favorite because I'm like, yeah, he's really insightful. Uh, but I I got great amusement out of his brand of entertainment. Um, I don't know. I don't know beyond that. Anyone jumping out for you? It's hard. I don't... Mark Jackson? No. Um... Like I, 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 I really like Iron Eagle, but I feel like Iron Eagle's not the answer anyone wants to hear to this. No. I don't know. That's... I... It's so... I this is the year where I like because I have actual uh, responsibilities. <laughs> you mean you're not just blogging about the Milwaukee? No, books? I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Well, it's basically it's also like I'm just not as plugged into everything anymore as I once was, which is good. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't uh, that's a bad thing. Um, yeah. It's it's hard to like come up with these. Qu- it's just like, and all these people are just like, it's like, oh yeah, like it's what it's. I don't know. I don't view. I don't know. I don't view media that way anymore. It's just say. Like, I don't. I don't. I'm not part of the stand culture, or counting. No, I don't who, think. I don't think that's really. Yeah, but I don't think do questions. I know they. They'll... I know they do, but I don't think that's the question. Like. I think people are good at their jobs and some people aren't. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, yeah. there, there are stuff I've been on, been on record about. It's not it's not favorite, least favorite. I don't have a lot of respect for a lot of the framing that Shams uses in his reporting. But oh, yeah. that's something I've talked about in the pod before and I have no problem saying. I think it's, you know, at the best of times, embarrassing. And there have been times where it's been just like morally and ethically like repugnant. So I... Like, I've no problem with that. Um, I also, there are just some idiots. Like, there are clearly some people who don't know about teams. My biggest thing with this, and I guess our perspective on it when it comes to, I guess it ties more closely to written media people because we spent years writing about the books. We have a certain view of that. And also, at different times, you and I wrote about other teams and kind of almost quasi-beat roles um, with various fan-sided sites and stuff like that. That's really difficult. Um, my yes. my opinion on that, I I did a lot of it. I think the only time I would have done it well is if I say I had two or three teams and I was focusing on them and I was watching those teams regularly and I was locked into all media around those teams. Uh, I have the utmost respect for the people who do all NBA stuff very well, but I, I think you can come very close to counting them on one hand. Uh, I think it takes an incredible level of arrogance to think that you can properly cover the NBA, every team, in depth to the level they're deserving and to know everything about all those teams. And there are a very small number of people, some high profile, some rising profile, who I think do that well. Um, and it's probably pretty obvious. And then there are people who do that nowhere near as well. And I think kind of expose themselves to 
a fan base a day, I'm sure. Like, they'll say something that's going to piss off some fan base every day. And it becomes, oh, this fan base is annoyed at me that. It's like, well, you might know more about basketball in the macro, but yeah, you've got to accept that a fan base that watches every single minute of your team is going to know more than you. Like, I think that's a weird dynamic at play. And for me, that absolutely filters into how I feel about NBA media people. It's like, who knows, who says something and knows where, where to stop? As in, they know where the line is, where they're not assuming knowledge beyond what they can reasonably be expected to have. Yeah, And that, that is always the thing for me. And when anyone talks to the books where you're like, like, any of these national people, they can talk to the books, but there's a point with your opinions or your assertions that, like, if you're at ESPN, I think you should stop, you know, for certain, for certain people there. No, no names mentioned, but yeah. um, that, that would be my view on it is just it's, it's an unbelievably difficult job to do, and there are only a few people who do it well. So what would be much better to me is if we expected less and less of that <laughs> like and I, I i'll be honest i don't i don't listen to national nba pods anymore at all really i'm like a long time low post listener and again favorite medium ever somebody came to mind and it only came up on the playback last night again i don't listen to low post anymore so i don't know but i believe arnovitz was on with low the other day it's like that's yeah arnovitz is a great example of someone who i feel like always knows when to that's the line I don't know enough right now at this second to jump to that place on that team. But if I'm curious enough about it, I'm going to go and I'm going to embed myself with that team for two weeks and then I will have the answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I I personally wish a lot more was like that. And I think a model like we have here at GSPN, I think it's healthier. Like I think if every fan base, if they have, good outlets locally that focus on their team can give their perspective i think that's great because you're gonna you're gonna get the stuff of what you're actually locked in with you're gonna get people who are as equally invested in your team and then there's kind of three to four places you can dip your toe in to get the national flavor that's it for me and honestly even that it's like if you want to get a wider view of things you're often better reading like going to the blogs of other teams and kind of yeah. getting it because if obviously what... not all of them but if it's good uh and not all not all team blogs are good but if there's a good one they're going to cover their team fairly like i know in our years yeah. we would routinely have been critical harsh on the books and have put all sorts of things under the lens that's useful as opposed to just here's this thing that's either way too macro or even way too micro at times it's like you know how backup big is doing with a screen setting is honestly not that important like it's not that important for you or i for shaping our opinion of that team over there but that's useful if you have an interest in the nba at a certain level but i don't think it actually serves a purpose in terms of making the average fan smarter about the nba like the wider nba as a whole um, I don't want to say, you know, because this is, it's never a good thing when you find yourself saying things like this. I think the NBA media world could do with some more middle ground. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to be calling for the center. I don't want to be like, 
it always makes me <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable to come across it's like yeah i have some i'm just a centrist here um but in the nba media sense i think it's it's either the stuff is brainless on one side well it's or it's, it's, the difference it's between... so in the reads over there that you tend to get fans who have to choose either or where i think the way we talk about the books and the nba and i've always viewed it is we like to we like to pay both sides of that like equal respect like when people do analytics versus eye tests like i'm just like what what's the point of this why not both like well why aren't you watching games and looking at the numbers and then seeing like what the combined knowledge of those two things brings to you or there's times where you're gonna find something only in the numbers or only in watching footage it's like but they're all useful tools. And I think something that brings that together, gets us into the center, would be a much healthier place. And like that, that can only fall on ESPN. Like, and we know ESPN has fully leaned into the hot talking head thing. Um, and with people who are much less skilled from an entertainment perspective than say Stephen A. Smith, who I mentioned earlier, who like, yeah, most of what he says is nonsense. You cannot deny the man is like, top class performer yeah no it's the difference between knowing how a team is playing with a beat writer and doing that work because it that is what carries the nba and has carried it from the beginning um to thinking out these scenarios of i mean the other day it's like oh the sixers are interested in trading for Bradley Beal, the heater and the, like, it's, this is not even over with. Yeah. You know I mean, like it's dream of these scenarios that, you know, one out of 10, two out of 10 actually come to fruition. Yeah. It's no surprise that these teams are interested in a good player. Everybody wants a good player. Everyone wants great players. <laughs> like it's, it's one thing to have knowledge of, or, you know, um, can't think of the freaking word but like interest it's one thing to have these the knowledge of oh there's actual interest between these teams there's this is how these links would come across but it's also if you do it in a very um responsible way (laughs) rather than like oh this is what it's not just about clicks but it's like it's doing it when things are actually necessary to if Bradley Beal want, actually wants out of Washington, I, how many years have we gone on with this saga? I mean, we know this well with Giannis and all this stuff, but it's like we talked about this endlessly. Of well, he's Bradley an example Beal. of a player who has continuously said, even when it would seem to defy like logic. any kind of logic, he's like, "Yeah, I want to stay here." Yeah, so maybe at a certain point we should just listen to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just that's where it's. Because then it's like, are are we actually talking about what actually matters? But that is that is clicks. That is that is yeah. clicks. That is YouTube views. Um, that is that is ESPN's revenue CEO. streams, and they know if they're not going to talk about that stuff, well, people are going to get that from elsewhere, and that's now an important part of their business, right? Because people don't watch TV in the same way. Like that's a whole to actually kind of pull on that thread of where that comes from, why that's the way it is. Like you'll find yourself with a whole lot of different places you're gonna have to talk about, but 
you can package things in that way and still have them be quality. Yes. You, you and I, Jordan, we wrote many, many slideshows at Behind the Book Pass, which as a format, like people just be like, oh, it's clickbait. It's not clickbait if the quality is there in the content. Like if people actually want to read and they're like, I'm not having to just change page to page here for 50 words and an image. It's like, if, if it's a logical way to break something up and the same could go for if it's podcast content, if it's video, like something can absolutely be packaged about like, oh, Bradley Beal, but that kind of conversation should be, okay, well, if he was to be traded, why would he want out of Washington? Let's really, yeah. let's let's get into the real detail of the Washington Wizards, where they are now, the decisions they've made to get to this point, the decisions they could have made, you know, and that's that part of the discussion. And then, if it's like, oh, he, the Lakers, would the Lakers trade for Bradley Beal? It's like, okay, well, what would he look like on the Lakers? Why would the Lakers trade for him? What would that change for them? You know, that's that's all of the stuff that that can all be framed as Bradley Beal going to the Lakers. Yeah. But you can have real substance in there. And the people who click because they're just hungry for trade talk can actually come out of it smarter about multiple teams and players involved. That doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. And that's unfortunate. Great question, I guess, because we went a long time on that. Um, At MKE Robert is Brooke Lopez, the second greatest center in franchise history. Without that. So there's only Lanier and Sigma for competition and Brooke has undoubtedly surpassed them in terms yeah. of impact. Like the championship does that. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be close to Lanier anyway, but he, he would have been on a very similar trajectory. If they hadn't won a championship, you're, you're actually talking very comparable, even in terms of situations. Um, a guy who's all-time dominant player at his previous, at a certain franchise, another franchise, and he's coming to the books at a certain point and becoming a very different player. Like, that's Lanier. Lanier with the Pistons, Brooke with the Nets are kind of comparable in some ways, and then the versions of themselves they became with the books, very different players. Um, yeah. More role players, and both very good in that. But, yeah, that would be for me, I, I think, Lanier 3, Sigma 4. Bogut is probably up there. He's in the top five. Yeah. And I mean, if someone was asked for six, then it's... Francisco Elson. It's Um... so, so grim. As someone who has done top five all-time book center rankings before Brooke was around. Thank God God for Brooke, because at least there's five now. Uh, Finding five good centers was, was a tough, tough one for the books but um yeah second second great center franchise history for sure and Lanier's jersey is retired yes it is so just saying uh from an mk robert again is drew just more comfortable near two with the team or do you think both and the staff made similar adjustments to the system to allow him to thrive similar to middleton when bud first drives in milwaukee I actually think it's just more comfortable and probably enjoying playing on a good, consistent team with not a lot of dysfunction for consecutive years for one of the first times in his career. 
certainly. Like when you look at certain the whole Pelicans time of his career, that's not fun. Like no, they had they had the nice playoff run, but like it was rare that things went according to plan. And even look at when the first couple years that he was marred by injuries, there was some question of whether. Yeah. Did, did you see Dan Devine's it might have been top 30 like he ranked his probably two weeks ago now the top 30 players in the NBA did you see this list? I did not it was a good article um, he had Drew at 18 speaking of someone who hasn't can see things more broadly and, and yes very yeah. one of one of the better people going back to his Yahoo days even. Um, Drew at 18 he had Anthony Davis at 22 and I took great enjoyment out of that, but it's also <laughs> it's also really just interesting when you think of that whole oh yeah era of Drew, Drew's career, where obviously Anthony Davis has more talent, and the upside of what he could be is entirely different. But Pelicans had better pieces than they were aware of, and I think that roster was not constructed in the right way. And Drew wasn't necessarily probably valued within the framework for his abilities. He was always seen as a key cog and as a really good player. But I think they could have brought more out of him. I say that also recognizing part of the responsibility falls on Anthony Davis for that. And part of it was due to um, Boogie getting hurt. That changes their trajectory. Even with it being um, the, the, their playoff run that I mean, it's, it was one series, but still, it's yeah. It's that I mean, it is that's tough though because that's they are they were a team that anytime they looked like oh they're finally here and yeah. Anthony Davis is the guy they'll just go miss the playoffs the next year. It was like, like the it was the Bucks at that time before Bud came, where it's like they have the glimpses of what they could be, and then it's like it's not there. Yeah, it's losing to the Bulls in six with some kind of competitive stuff, and then being like twelfth in the East the next season. That's that's kind of what the Pelicans were up to. Yeah. Uh, from an MK Robert again, how many quote unquote the Javon Carter games do we get in this championship run? How many guys in the team are capable of having their equivalent to the Jeff T game? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I like the thing with the Jeff T game was more so even than when. Jeff Teague being playoff Jeff Teague was a thing where he, when he could actually hang in the playoffs with the Hawks and he used to elevate his game. Like when I, when I made Jeff Teague game a thing, probably this time last year, no, actually probably earlier, I was promising it from probably the moment they signed him. Um, it was clear he was not going to be able to hang on the floor. <laughs> Like he was going to be a problem. It was going to be against all logic that he was out there. But at one of the games, you'd be like, he's the difference maker. He's doing it. We're going to win this game because of Jeff Teague. Um, I don't know. This, like Javon Carter is a guy that I think there will be more trust to have him on the floor if he's needed. Sorry, is this all bench players? That's this is my question. Yeah, I mean. Okay. Like Grayson Allen's a role player, but I don't think Grayson Allen is a contender for this. If Grayson Allen has like 15 points on a really hot shooting night in the playoffs, I don't think we'll be like, whoa, 
where did this Grayson Allen, the Grayson game, Allen game come from? I think we'd actually kind of expect one of those. And it's also a matter of low, yeah, it's low expectations are play into this. So Javon Carter kind of fits that in. But you're gonna trust him to be on the floor, like he's exactly. Gonna, well, that's, he's gonna yeah. be more playable. So that already makes it tough for an equivalence because the thing with Jeff Teague was you knew it was gonna be a white knuckle ride. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but when that. You were like, you're, you're in for a really, really wild. You're waiting for the time. dice to like you're playing craps and then it hits the back. It's like, where does it land? It's like I would never play craps. Um so yeah, Javon Carter, West have you, seen, have you seen Lost in America, the Albert Brooks film? No, I have not. Just one of my absolute favorite films, spectacular film. I believe it's on HBO Max though, for anyone listening, one of just the great American comedies. Um, but there is a sequence in that film where uh, Albert Brooks comes down to the casino. Him, him and his wife, played by Julie Julie Hardy, have decided to give up on their kind of yuppie life and go out and see America and live a more grounded life. And they've got all of their <laughs> like life savings, and they're on their first day, and they're. I believe en route to like the Grand Canyon and they stop in Vegas and they like go okay one last night of like worldly pleasures and they get a suite and everything and he wakes up in the middle of the night his wife's not there and he goes down to the casino floor and she's like come on lucky seven come on lucky seven that's that's the Jeff Teague experience <laughs> like for anyone who's seen that movie Julie Haggerty in that scene and she is like to say she is on the edge is being very generous she is already over the edge that's what all of those Jeff Teague minutes were like, but it would just be like, you know, lucky seven hitting one of those types. So that's, that was definitely too niche a reference, I think, for most people. But hey, Jordan, you need, to, you need to go watch Lost America. You'll like it. I will. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think on this roster, there are too many guys who make sense. Like, you know what the Jeff T game would be? And I do not think we will get one of these. I think there is one player on the roster that you could be like, oh, do you want to guess? Sandman. No, that would be surprising. But I actually, maybe I'd have more fate in that than this player. Oh, I think I know now. Go on. Jordan Mora. Correct. Yeah. Jordan Mora, there may be a situation where you've got to play Jordan Mora. And he could score 12 points in a short burst. And they're really important points that you need them. But every possession defensively, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Jordan Moore is on the floor. Yeah. I, I, I think, think that's, that, I think I think that's, that's the, the closest answer. approximation to Jeff Teague. Yeah. Glad we got there. Um, from an AC Snide, any Brewers-related predictions? Repeat as NL Central champions? Question mark. Will Yelich bounce back? Any regression from the starting rotation? Why is Willie Adams the most underrated player in baseball? Got anything on any of this, Jordan? I don't. Nothing. <laughs> I don't have my. I. They're gonna be good. I can't even remember what has happened in the MLB because it's just been. It's all these signings that are happening because of the. Well, got, I'm finding this really weird now. I know you've been finding my you found baseball too. has some weird. You're more plugged in than I am. I, that's that's deeply unsettling to me. I gotta compartmentalize what. 
I have always so much I'm, time. I'm relying on you here to be uh, Andrew knows I rely on Andrew. Andrew gets more of my baseball talk than anyone. Um, in part because this is his this is his fault. He has tried to push me into this um caring about baseball. He has got his way, and so as a result, he's he's got to deal with that. Um, but I've watched like eight games total in my life. So we're still very formative stages here. So I need as I said before the pod, I was like, I, didn't, I know there's a Brewers question coming. I need you step up to the plate and you're not ready is what it sounds like. I'm not ready. You've arrived I, late I, to spring training, quite literally. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm in my arbitration hearing. I'm debating <laughs> what number is coming back. Um, I, 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 think they, I think they repeat as NL Central champions. I mean, don't ask me about another team in the NL Central. Two of them are not even trying to win, which is kind of ups their odds yeah yelich is yelich is getting some hits in spring training early on that's positive definitely considering how um how the playoffs finished like overall i i think early signs this is i i'm not going to fall into any traps like we would with summer league or preseason um but some encouragement with their hitting obviously that's maybe the biggest from my vantage point the biggest thing of the season that I care about is are the new hitting staff really going to make a big difference? Because it feels like the new hitting staff have to help. Ah, the question of <laughs> this is the question of every Bruce season. <laughs> great. I'm glad uh, I've arrived at the party. So you're saying the ongoing because I have a greater sense of the ongoing like Packers is... things. Is is the ongoing Brewers thing? It's like, will they have enough offense? Is that yeah, when it matters. It's probably one of those. That's also just logical, though, because of budget and what yeah. you're like. I'm I'm new here again, but like you watch them open up in a tie against the Dodgers, and you see the players the Dodgers have. Like even for for that game, that's pretty tough to compete with. There's a, these yeah. are different worlds. Um. Yeah, you know, check back in week to week as the season progresses. As the season begins, Jordan's gonna I'm gonna make Jordan watch. I don't I don't care what, I don't care if it's work, anything else. It's just you're gonna have to lock in here, Jordan. <laughs> Lastly, from a sign underscore Justin. Drew, Chris, Yana, Serge, Brooke. Can this lineup seal the deal for Adams visit to Milwaukee? So to fill in Jordan, we were getting quite quite a few looks of different combinations of jumbo books last night. Um, I think Bud's, Bud's considering some options he might have. We're playing capital B, capital I, capital G. I could, we'll see. I, I do think in the big. playoffs, they're actually going to play smaller this year because they're, they're better equipped to play small while also staying big in that book's way. Oh, I, I think so. With Javon we'll Carter, with George Hill, with Wes Matthews, with Pat, I I can see them having guys play up a spot, particularly for some defensive. It's obviously that's matchup dependent. If you're going up against yeah. the Sixers, like or you're gonna have Cavs. to prioritize are the Cavs as just this beautiful freak of a team 
Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, it's all it's all going to be situational. Kind of line up seal the deal for my visit to Milwaukee. Well, no, like they played last night, and it's not like it's not like I saw it. I was like, I'm packing my bag. Um, <laughs> there are there are larger factors at play. Unfortunately, we're gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen sooner rather than later. Should have happened by now, but. We'll take as it comes. As was, it came up on playback. People were asking last night, "When's there going to be a? When's there going to be a live show? When's it going to be something in Wisconsin person?" Beginning of the season, that kind of time of year. One, if COVID is going to continue to be an ongoing cycle, that's that's a, that's a downtime. That weather weather has made that a downtime. Any later is a problem. Um, the closer you get to winter, like just yeah. it naturally becomes a problem. So that seems to be a logical down period for that. And very importantly, that is also the only time of the year where I could get over and I could catch all three professional teams in action. <laughs> so that seems like a a potential window, but we will just wait and see. You know what this world of wars and pandemics and God knows what has in store in the next few months before we make any decisions on that kind of thing. And you know, there was also you you were not there, you missed it. So there were plans being put in place for group podcasts in other parts of the world last night, like potentially in mm. London at a Green Bay Packers game. Um that was that was being discussed. So yeah, we'll we'll see. Who knows? International. Who Even knows so. what may happen? Ty was out, by the way. Ty does not want to meet any of us in London. But um, <laughs> okay. then I then I was like, oh, they could be the Saints. I believe the Saints are playing. They're one of the teams in London. They and are. then he then he was suddenly in. So it says a lot. It says a lot about the man. He wasn't prepared to just come to beat up with other people. But if the Saints are there, well, then he'd be in. Anyway, that's all for now. We've covered some good ground, some baseball, some football, some books. NBA media, some books. some books history. It's the works. We've covered a lot of stuff we care about, Jordan. This is a good episode. If you like what you hear, if you agree it's a good episode, it's not guaranteed, but if you do, then you might like to subscribe wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss any in future. Subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network. You get all of our episodes, all of the Eurostep episodes from Ty and Rohan and all of the crossover content between all four of us. You can also subscribe to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. All pods will also be posted there in addition to any other kind of articles. Um, the fictitious book stock exchange that time row on. Yeah, there's going to be investigations. I, this is established last sure. night. That there's external pressures being applied and seems to be making some they're making leeway, Jordan, on the market. I don't know where. Oh. I, I have some concerns over market stability, given some of the conversations I was privy to last night. So we're going to have to have some internal investigations on that. But if you want to <laughs> stay up to date with the books, uh, the books market, gspn.substacks.com, subscribe there, and you'll get all of that too. I think that's it. Uh, go, as always, leave five-star ratings, reviews, and... If you want to get into the Discord and you want to be a part of future playbacks, you go and you do that review, you do that rating, and then you send us a screenshot. And Ty opens his arms to you like the 
the New Orleans Saints in London, and he welcomes you into the club. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, John. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.